Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Namya Mahajan, co-founder of Rocket Learning. They are a nonprofit based in India who focus on early childhood education and early childhood development. Namya is based in India. She has a Harvard MBA, is former McKinsey, and is passionate about improving early childhood at scale. So we'll be looking at their tech, the learning content they're producing, market entry, user engagement, retention, and much more. Stay tuned for what promises to be a wonderful chat. And without further ado, Namia, a big heartfelt welcome on to the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So excited for this. It's such a pleasure. So you're out there in India. I'm here in the UK. We have a little bit of a time difference. Thanks for making the time. You're the co-founder of Rocket Learning. Love to find out what it's all about. Yeah, so at Rocket Learning, we were basically motivated by the fact that um, for a large number of India's children, there is a learning crisis, right? So, you know, there are 35 million children in India, about half school going children in India will reach the end of grade one without being able to recognize a single number or a single letter. And, you know, as that goes on, the learning inequality really grows to the point that it really becomes meaningless for children to go to school if they can't read by grade five, right? So, um, you know, started looking for ways to make that better uh, and realized that early childhood education is really a huge area of opportunity. Um, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. I know, Alberto, you have a huge early childhood education experience as well. But, you know, there are a million neuronal connections that children are building at that age. Um, and the earlier you can reach children with sort of, you know, preschool, um, non-formal play-based learning, uh, the better it is when they actually reach school. And if they reach ready for learning, for school, um, you know, that can change the trajectory of their lives. Um, so that was the motivation for Rocket Learning. Um, we started in 2020, which was actually in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, actually, it was the beginning of the pandemic. We thought it would be maybe a month long. Uh, and we had this idea that could we bring parents into early learning? Um, and, you know, because it was the pandemic, we were able to uh, actually start quite easily. So we were working with government systems to convince them that, you know, we could work with parents and we could work through WhatsApp. And those ended up being the only ways to reach children because schools were closed in India for almost a year. So we were able to scale quite quickly, learn very quickly. Um, and now we work with a million children in seven states. Uh, so yeah, happy to dive into any of that. Uh, yeah. So a million state. children in seven states, that's not a small number. Indeed, I'm a big fan of early childhood education, early childhood development, have worked in that uh, quite a bit. And uh, so you are preaching to the choir, but you know, it's always good to, to, to share the insight that you have uh, to a broad audience, because not everybody is completely well-versed and the benefits and the virtues of early childhood development. Tell us a little bit about the age bracket that you're catering to, um, how you work, and, and who makes up Rocket Learning. I mean, who, who is there? Yeah, absolutely. So we work with um, a million, as you're saying, it's, it's a big number, but in India, 
you know, it's there a small are number in India. <laughs> yeah, we still call ourselves sometimes a pilot at scale uh, because okay. we're trying to figure out how to work with 35 million children who need us. Um, so we work with three to eight year olds, so primarily three to six year olds who are sort of before the school going age, but also a few grade one and grade two children. Um, the way we work is that you know we realize that uh, parents are kind of the overlooked stakeholder in the you know, in, in the education ecosystem. And, you know, where previously it was almost impossible to reach parents every day at the, you know, sort of frequency that could help them build a habit. Smartphones are now growing, right? They're in 70% of Indian households, even for children who are going to government schools. So even the children who are the most disadvantaged now have a smartphone in their house, which means we can actually reach them every day, right? Every one of those parents that has a smartphone uses WhatsApp. So we then started, so we work through government systems because again, no nonprofit can reach you know, the scale of the Indian government. And so we work with district governments or state governments to ask the daycare workers to add our sort of you know, bot um, or their own government number to every WhatsApp group that the Anganwadi worker, the daycare worker has with the parents in her area. So this is sort of 10 to 15 parents um, one sort of teacher figure. And once we get added to the groups, we can send out content that's bite-sized audiovisual so that any parent can facilitate it. So think, you know, ask a parent to mix lentils in a bowl. Um, you know, lentils are available in every Indian household and ask a child to separate and categorize them, right? Which is building, you know, hand-eye coordination, fine motor skills, um, pattern recognition, you know, classification into shape, size, colors, right? Or asking a parent to go with their child and look for red objects in their house. So, you know, these, I, you know, these things that are fundamental to brain building at the early ages, um, supporting the parent-child interaction through play and fun. Um, and then at the end of every video, we have this call to action saying, you know, do these, uh, do this activity with your child and send back a photo or a video of your child doing this, right? And because they're in this WhatsApp community, um, once one parent sends something, another parent, you know, has this, um, gets inspired. They say, okay, you know, one, you know, my neighbor can do this, I can do this as well. So uh, we really see that this, you know, the effect of the group, uh, the peer community that learns from each other, and the fact that the teacher is on the group really helps. Um, but the thing that we can do through technology is to actually send uh, personalized rewards and recognition. So even if the community or the teacher is not very active, you know, we can send simple nudges and rewards like a report card that goes out to every group chat every week. It has a smiley for every day that a parent or a child participated. It's blank for every day you didn't, right? So the child actually, you know, children start asking, how many smileys did I get? Um, now we have these sort of chocolate certificates, which, you know, you get a chocolate for every day. So, you know, we have children and parents actually demanding um, and building this habit. Uh, so, you know, that's how that's how it. we work. Uh, we're also now actually working with uh, daycare workers in a similar way. So India has 1.4 million daycare centers, which is probably the world's largest daycare network, actually. Um, these are three to six-year-olds. Um, the, these are Anganwadi centers. They focus a lot on nutrition, immunization, 
and education is part of their mandate but not a lot has happened on that so we're also now helping to train um daycare workers with a similar offline and online mode where we do sort of online uh, you know offline in person trainings um you know maybe once or twice a year which is all we can afford but uh, you know as a country almost but we send these sort of nudges and reminders um you know through digital medium again whatsapp uh, right to give you know reminders to give them ideas of what to do in their classroom to give them this teacher professional development uh, that can help them sort of do have better classroom practice uh, every day Excellent, excellent. And in terms of the platform that you're using to deliver this content, the videos, rewards, all is it WhatsApp? Is that uh, that's the main platform? So it's not like you you're developing a separate app. You don't need a separate app. You're just going with what's available already and leveraging that. Yeah, exactly. We have so many new digital users, right? And we wanted to meet them where they are. We realized that sort of um, you know, WhatsApp has some 500 million users in India. uh right and no other app has that kind of reach if you you know talk to a low income user about what apps are on their phone they have only three they have you know google facebook and whatsapp um and uh, google as in youtube actually so youtube facebook and whatsapp and you know you'd better deliver value at that level or you know teach uh you know in in teaching the system of notifications getting downloads right training people how to use them it would just take so long we really just wanted to meet as many users as possible and meet them where they are i like that very much meeting the digital user where they are because sometimes it's easy to i don't know if even this is a word but to complexify things as it were <laughs> making them overly complex and you develop an app and this and that but yet that's another password that's another login that's another this and that and the other and and maybe you missed out on a lot of people who are not going to go out and download this thing right exactly exactly and we you know i sort of you know we'll talk about my journey but i worked in the you know self employed women's association which is um you know one of india's largest nonprofits it brought the self help movement to india right so i grew up with this kind of you know uh, the self help movement and how it you know changed lending behaviors it helped give access to credit for the first time and so you know really strong belief in the power of communities and groups to kind of inspire and motivate each other uh, so we knew that we wanted to have a very broad base um and you know we think of this sometimes as a parent movement so you asked who we are um so there's five co-founders actually i think we have one of the largest co-founder group uh, in the non-profit space um all people who you know led large organizations um or started large organizations uh previously and you know we really see that this is the greatest challenge of our times right it's we many of us have left the corporate space um because honestly this is a bigger challenge and there's definitely a part which is you know we want to do something good we want to create equal access and equal opportunity but even from an intellectual standpoint right this is kind of the greatest challenge that we could think of excellent i love it Now in terms of your journey you touched on it a little bit in terms of your previous work and community engagement um worth noting also you have an undergraduate degree from Harvard in applied mathematics and then an MBA from Harvard as well tell me i mean so i can see how you got the whole business angle the scalability market entry that side of it what drove you specifically to the early childhood piece 
Yeah, that actually was, um, I would say, my experience at the Self-Employed Women's Association, which is SEVA. Um, so I think I was very young when I realized I had to work in the non- in the social impact space. Um, I say this sometimes that sort of if you're lucky enough not to be, uh, you know, disadvantaged in a very poor country, um, there are two ways to live. And one is to sort of completely ignore, I would say, um, you know, those who are less fortunate because problems are so big um, and there's nothing you can do. Um, I think the only other way is to dive in completely. It's very hard to have, you know, the awareness that something is so wrong and things are so unequal um, without sort of wanting to be in it full time. So I think for me, that shift was very early. Um, my parents are both in government. So I think it was this inspiration from them as well that uh, you should make a difference. And actually, you can as one committed individual make a difference. So, you know, grew up with that belief, um, you know, had the opportunity to study at Harvard, uh, came back, worked in McKinsey for a few years, um, got that sort of professional experience, and then moved to SEVA, uh, which is um, and led their cooperative federation. So worked with you know women in the informal economy from domestic workers, construction workers, beauty workers, um, uh, you know, and in you know rural areas, farmers, dairy farmers, uh, and realized that really what is common between so many of these women is that um, you know they really deeply furiously want to give their children better opportunities. Uh, they don't know how necessarily, but they really want to. And the second was that these early years are a huge time when, you know, women's economic independence is threatened, right? So, you know, a lot of women leave the workforce when they don't have somewhere for their children to go. Um, and it becomes more and more difficult for them to go back, right? And India's labor force participation has actually been declining over the last few years, which is um, kind of a really interesting trend as well. So, you know, from the women's perspective, uh, we were running these childcare centers. And I realized that sort of children, uh, women's income, uh, you know, increases by 50% when they have these places where their kids can go every day. Um, and then I started looking in the science of early childhood education, uh, you know, all the papers by, you know, Jack Shonkoff at the Harvard Center for Developing Child um, and others and realized that, you know, for children who are who don't get access to preschool education, um, you know, it just becomes so much more expensive physiologically, economically to catch up. And that is such a fundamental inequality um, that I knew this is really where I want to make an impact. Remarkable. And the co-founders that you have, are they, um, how did you meet them? Who are they? Are they also, were they involved in your MBA program? How did you all connect and, and decide to take up this uh, challenge? Yeah, it's a great question. So we'd all kind of met um, through various, um, you know, professional and personal ways. Uh, and actually, one of them is my brother. So that helps. Uh, we grew up, uh, you know, wanting to be in social impact. And he actually worked in education uh, in Pratham, which is one of India's largest nonprofits, kind of went towards early childhood education. So our paths kind of, you know, converged at early childhood development. Um, and, you know, then there was, you know, Utsav, uh, who is 
who was an entrepreneur, had led an organization for eight years and was ready to step on to his next challenge. Um, we met, you know, Vishal, who is the CTO of um, an ag tech company in Boston. So we, you know, run into him in Boston uh, and he'd come back to India again, looking for, you know, something new and exciting to do. Um, and Siddhant, our fifth co-founder is, uh, you know, was at PCG as a manager and a leader and uh, also just wanted to come back. So, um, you know, we just kind of all got together. It was, again, I think it was during the pandemic when everyone was at home uh, and we started, you know, batting around this idea uh, and it sort of slowly took shape uh, for us. I like it. Sounds like you have a lot of smart people there with complementary skill sets and experiences, which is always a good thing for, for that sort of team development. So here you are in India, you've gotten together, you've launched this thing, you got, you're got working with a million children, seven states, leveraging the existing platform of WhatsApp, great. And I guess the key focus for you then is developing that content, that interactivity, that gamification perhaps of engagement and, uh, and keeping track of all of this. So give us a little bit of insight into what that looks like, because there's a few moving pieces. They're all very consequential. Absolutely. And I think you've hit exactly upon sort of what we're, um, you know, what we're focusing on this year. So uh, in terms of content, you know, when we first came in, we thought all of this content should already exist, right? So, uh, you know, there's no reason why, you know, we have these amazing content creators out there and, you know, we can just be a distribution system through WhatsApp and do, as you were saying, the interactivity and gamification. Um, what we actually realized was that there isn't a lot of content that uh, is looking at, you know, you know, doing kind of or inspiring this play-based activity and doing it for parents in our communities, right? So a lot of the content was, for instance, Sesame Street, incredible content, but it's really built for that 30-minute television uh, audience, right? And children in our sort of communities don't get access to a phone or a device for that long. There's one device, it's owned by usually the father. Um, it gets used by older children for schoolwork, but the younger child sort of doesn't really get access to it that much. So we realized that um, you know, we would have to create that content ourselves that was parent-facing, you know, bite-sized. So we've realized, you know, we did a series of design workshops last year, actually, with over 300 parents, children, daycare workers. And, uh, you know, we have this set of now sort of, uh, you know, design principles uh, that, you know, it has to be less than two minutes, ideally less than one minute. Uh, so really, you can see parents' eyes start to glaze over at the one minute mark. Uh, at 18 seconds, apparently, a parent, you know, or, or anyone actually decides whether they're going to watch a video or not. So it better be really interesting. Um, we did a bunch of work around, you know, a mascot and a jingle. And, you know, should you give the call to action in the beginning or the end? Uh, right. So we're really sort of developing uh, or honing down sort of what um, you know, how do parents and children consume content? And then it's this, you know, trying to make sure that the content is pedagogically sound, gives the right messages, while, you know, also making sure that parents enjoy it, right? I think one of the insights was when we went in, we thought, you know, just make it 
parent focused it can be boring it just needs to give the message and the children will do it but we realized that actually yeah if the children don't enjoy it it's not going anywhere so you know how do you ensure that it's fun but it's also sort of giving the right messages in the right way so that's sort of on the content piece and the videos themselves the content is it um and I was going to ask you, did you have you made a cameo appearance yourself? Are, are you ever in, in in any of those videos? Um, are they are they uh, animations? Are they real life uh, people being filmed? What 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 do they look like? Yeah, it's a great question. So all the early content was actually made by me. Um, Excellent. Uh, it was yes, it was me and my iMovie editing skills uh, in front of a backdrop um, of my house. Uh, but um, over time, now we have actual preschool teachers who are sort of filming this themselves. Uh, and for a while, we were very sort of DIY. We wanted it to be sort of you know, them in their homes. And we realized that also gave parents the permission to really film themselves in their homes, right? Because it wasn't this perfect, uh, you know, manicured studio setup. It was, you know, it could it, it showed that this was somebody in their home who was sort of talking to them as a peer. Uh, so it was really with that with that intention. Um, and all our content also exciting is, you know, entirely open source. So we don't want to sort of gatekeep that in any way. Um, you know, one nonprofit actually has now uh, translated it into Tamil and is using it you know, in, in Tamil Nadu, in the south of India. And that's really exciting for us because there's no reason why, you know, all of us should be creating this content again, right? So uh, we're really hoping that it can be picked up uh, by anyone. It's on YouTube under Creative Commons um, under Rocket Learning. Excellent. That was going to be a question of mine. How can other people access this? Because just like you were looking for really great content and struggled, yes. uh, maybe it's good to help other people avoid that hurdle. Uh, yeah, so, and we're also hoping to actually make it in English so that, um, you know, other countries perhaps can also, uh, you know, nonprofits or parents from other countries can use it. So on YouTube, go to Rocket, just search for Rocket Learning and you'll be able to get your, your hands on that. Yes. In terms of the market entry, uh, let me ask you a little bit about that because that's something I'm very fascinated. So you have this idea and okay it helps that you you have a a, a good uh, McKinsey and Harvard background Harvard MBA it helps that your parents are in government so you probably know how to navigate some of these uh, murky waters perhaps and uh, and there you are in seven states a million children how, how, how do you grow into the a how do you get into that market to start with because you need more than just that idea and b how do you look to scale up further beyond those seven states beyond those million children Absolutely. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. So I think in the beginning, um, I would say, you know, you, you have an idea, you build out sort of a product, uh, the early, you know, MVP. Um, and then we, you know, again, this was during the pandemic. So that did help, I do have to say, right. So we went to, um, we were introduced by a friend of a friend of a friend to sort of a district. Um, and we were ready for a small pilot. Uh, we said, you know, can we do this with you? This content is aligned with your curriculum, um, right? It'll help parents during the pandemic keep up with this sort of early learning program. And we sort of hit upon the perfect first customer somehow, who is this gentleman called Mr. Prasad in uh, Aurangabad district in Maharashtra. And he um, had been leading this sort of uh, you know, award-winning in their state 
uh, program of early learning and he was really upset that during the pandemic uh you know the daycare centers were closed the anganwadi workers couldn't teach and children were falling behind right so he said you know yes but i want you to do the entire district uh immediately which was around 3000 daycare centers about 40000 children so um you know again in india right still very much not even a pilot at scale really uh, right the first very first pilot so that's how it started and then our growth um especially in maharashtra went very organic right so there would be somebody from the district who would get transferred uh and you know they would take us to their district or they would you know have they would actually talk to their friends that we like this product and you want it um and you know therefore uh, we would sort of get into that you know start working in that district so in some places it's very organic like that in some other places i know you've spoken to um ek step for instance there's also few other of these you know system integrators i would say right so they work kind of at the state level um nonprofits or technical organizations and our product um right working with parents Uh, um hasn't really happened before there's not that much action in sort of the daycare network in terms of early childhood and so you know these technical partners to the government were happy for us to plug in right so we could say that we have this complementary product um you know we'll do it pro bono for the first few years the hope is that eventually you know governments will um pay the sort of ongoing variable cost right so that's definitely sort of the part towards sustainability of this product is for governments to take over um but you know in the first few years while we're building it while we're learning um you know we need to have that you know we you know we're doing this pro bono from the government and uh you know getting philanthropic support like for the building and the innovation uh so i think that was the second way that we grew great uh you touched on the philanthropic support who's been backing you ha- was it challenging to get backing yeah i think um it's it's helped that there's so much research recently around early childhood development so i think there is this real growing um consensus in i think the education ecosystem the health ecosystem that the early years are so crucial for so many foundational reasons and so um we've had sort of the huge privilege of having a you know a group of by now um funders who supported us for the last 3 years including in india the central square foundation um you know act grants the vedas foundation it's, and so on and um a few sort of uh, csr like amazon uh also so we've we've been able to actually build uh, a lot of the you know innovation and the product and i know we didn't speak about the nudges so much but i think the fun part of the product right now is that you know we're trying to build a system where we can have artificial intelligence really understand uh the user archetype right what kind of you know content they engage on um and sort of you know or when are they in uh, in danger of maybe dropping out of the program because we've seen over and over that once somebody has dropped off for more than 2 months it's very hard to bring them back so can you sort of build an engine that kind of detects uh, or predicts when a you know user is in danger of dropping off and can send them sort of the right nudge at the right time uh to really help them sort of stay and build that habit uh so i think we are looking for 
you know, people to fund, I think, that innovation engine. A lot of uh, money is very programmatic. It's very much, you know, in this state, uh, you know, spend this much for this outcome. But, you know, the engine is really what we need to fund. Got you. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, that's a really important point. Uh, tracking the engagement levels, the retention levels, the uh, the behaviors. And uh, with WhatsApp, it's a sort of one-way conversation in some respects, right? Because you, you're you able to send the content over, but can you? it's perhaps a little bit difficult to track who's viewing what, right? Yes. Other than a parent actively reporting back to you. Exactly. So I think we do kind of under report sometimes our impact because there is a lot of, you know, a lot of parents watch content, do content. Um, we, you know, they will, but they might not be able to take a photo or a video or send it back. Right. So there's all these, you know, there's a few steps that we just leave out but even the parents who do you know we do ask them to send something back and that helps us track right and we see pretty high engagement uh in terms of parents who actually send con you know their own content back to us as well right because that's actually what gets them certificates and report cards and you know monthly medals and you know yearly progress reports and so on so we do see a lot of parents sending back uh, things to us, um, which, you know, WhatsApp lets us then use. Um, if we had our own app, and it, there's always that, you know, um, if only we had our own app and we could track everything, but then we don't have everyone in the community on it. So we've always chosen the trade-off that helps us be sort of most inclusive so far. You got to figure out some way to optimize, right? So that you're not giving up on WhatsApp and the 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 really great concept of meeting those digital users where they are but also at the same time tacking on some more you said ai analysis what have you but just the ability to really understand at the granular level who's doing what without having to put the onus on the parents to report back exactly exactly and especially daycare workers i feel like um you know the anganwadi workers are some of the most hardworking uh, frontline workers we have uh, in india right and there's so much reporting that they have to do there are some 75 forms or registers that they fill out that, you know, our one design principle uh, for teachers especially was that do not make them fill out any data uh, beyond what they sort of have to already. So yeah, exactly. So I think that's what, um, so the call to action helps us do, right? It helps build community. It helps, uh, you know, parents feel that other parents and teachers are appreciating them, but it also helps make it more trackable for us. Interesting. I'm just thinking out loud here, but I'm just thinking if you're on WhatsApp, uh, they do have a whole social impact. Uh, uh, and I had the head of social impact for Europe, Anita Ewan, uh, at Facebook before they became Meta. But oh. there might be, you never know, you, you know, this is a, a challenge that they might be able to take a look at and say, okay, yeah, well, based on your needs, maybe there's something, because you're not the only person. And ideally, I would imagine they would love everybody to be using their platform for this, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we actually are part of there is a meta. So they've just come out with the communities feature. So we were part of their beta program. So we we're one of the five uh, or seven, I think, Indian organizations that were part of their uh, communities beta. So we have been working with sort of the Facebook India team and the uh, the meta team and the WhatsApp team to um, kind of get their support and actually maybe get into their product roadmap somewhere well, uh, with go. things that would yeah make this even more impactful and scalable 
Um, so this is absolutely fascinating. And uh, before we wrap up, a couple of things. So what's your website address? Want to make sure that if anybody wants to find out about you, they know where to go. Yes. Uh, we're at www.rocketlearning.org. Excellent. And you're active in India. You're looking to scale up in India. You're looking for funding. Yes. And good. And um, and you welcome anybody to get in touch, whether they're in India or elsewhere. But if anybody wants to learn from you, you're happy to share insight. Absolutely. All our content is open source. Our um, you know technology will eventually definitely be open source. But the insights on Nudge's design are all open source. So um, very happy to talk and also build a global ECD community. So uh, we've been in touch with organizations um, from Kenya, South Africa, Peru, China, who are all sort of working on this. I think we're all working on this um, you know, ECD, uh, working with governments and technology, with parents and teachers. Uh, so I think there's a lot to learn and absolutely welcome collaboration on that. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and the on the ECD side, the early childhood development, and having spent quite a bit of time in this, I will point out for our audience that it's often the case that you have little pockets of collaboration on this field in different countries, different geographic regions, and oftentimes the different groups don't know of the others. Like, so it's nice to be able to, I think, have content like today, reach out uh, to people like Namya and and also reach out to me if you want to find out about who are the key players in this space, who are the key organizations and funders in different geographic regions, because there's a lot of stuff going on. The, the research is overwhelmingly positive uh, in terms of the, the neuroscience, uh, neuroscientific arguments backing early childhood development and likewise on the economic arguments. I'm doing a lot of talking, but I'm just really excited about this area. Uh, Namia, you're going to have to come back for a, uh, a follow-up, I think, at some point, a little bit down the line when you're when you're growing even further, because I want to see how, how you guys uh, progress. And before we before we part ways for today, I have to ask you for a key takeaway. What's the one thing that you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Yes. Um, this is something that, you know, in HBS, uh, you know, shout out to Matt Signeri from the Social Enterprise Initiative. But he used to say that the sector needs, you know, tri-sector athletes. So people who can work across, uh, you know, the public, private uh, and civil society worlds to really make a difference. And I think, um, you know, ECD is a prime example of that. We need, uh, you know, excellent research. We need, you know, policymakers who are forward looking. Um, we need, you know, organizations organizations who are testing and trying things. Uh, we need big philanthropy to fund these experiments and innovations. Um, and I really hope that over the next you know, five years, rocket learning is a big part of bringing together all of these uh, different parts of the solution and uh, make something so that all our children can get the best future they deserve. Excellent. Here, here. Well, look, absolute pleasure hosting you on the Do One Better podcast today. Thanks for making the time. Good luck with your work. And I look forward to our next uh, chat uh, a little bit down the line. Thank you for having me. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Namya Mahajan, co-founder of Rocket Learning. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other case studies and interviews with remarkable thought leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot org. 
Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. I thoroughly enjoyed producing today's show for you, as you probably gathered by the energy I had while I was doing the interview with Namia. And I hope you found this show insightful, entertaining, and uh, inspiring to help you take action and improve the world around you. Thanks as always, and I will catch you this coming Monday.